Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss things cycling related and cycling and about cycling and also bikes and particularly <laughs> Italian ones is my dear friend Sarah. How are you Sarah? I'm well I've just well I'm like oh, oh the Giro's over and I'm so excited about the Giro, but it was probably the most difficult Giro I've had to follow. Dear listener, Dan is a bit sick, so please cut him some slack this week, okay? Ah, uh, don't bother, you know, like, I'll be alright. Like, be as mean as you want, it's cool. But it does mean his voice is extra husky today, so we're in luck. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, um, what we're going to do is we're going to run through the Giro Rosa. Now, last week we went through stages one to six, so we won't. So if you haven't listened, to, haven't, blah, so if you haven't followed the Giro, you can listen to our podcast about that. But if not, we'll just do a quick thumbnail of what happened to catch you up on the action. Tell you about the rest of the Giro Rosa. Talk a little bit about some other races that have happened this week. And yeah, and all the links, as always, are on our site, prowomenscycling.com. Cool. Uh, so yeah, yeah, if you've been living under a rock on Mars in a cave with your fingers in your ears for the last month or so, the Giro I'm just Rosa... watching the Tour de France. Oh, boring. God, so boring. Ugh. Oh, anyway, on, there has been a lot of polemica. Oh, whatever. Some dude touched another dude with his elbow and then got kicked out of the race and stuff. Like yawn, yawn. I say yawn. <laughs> Uh, so, in interesting cycling stuff, the Giro Rosa, the premier women's stage race of the season, has been uh, underway in Italy. And it began uh, Friday before last with a team time trial. Yes, we started with a team time trial. One, unsurprisingly, by world champions, Bulls Dolmans, setting them up in the Malia Rosa. Stage two was a classic sea climbing stage and Annemiek van Vleuten attacked on it and only Elisa Longo-Borghini of Wiggle High Five and Anna van der Breger of Bulls Dolmans could follow. Anna van der Breger played the I can't possibly do any work because my teammate has the Mario Rosa, which was a little bit <laughs> dodgy. Um, <laughs> but she still didn't win. Annemiek van Vleuten won the stage with Anna van der Breger taking that Mario Rosa. Yes. Um, unfortunately, then, for Anna Meek, uh, she had a disastrous stage three. Yep, she missed the break. <laughs> I'm oh. so sorry, I shouldn't she laugh. Pulled the, like... pulled the Orica power move, I think, is officially no, calling it. it uh, Anna Meek van Vleuten is such an incredible Dutch classics rider, and she's, um, she's not the type of rider who, when the bunch splits in the wind should be at the back not noticing that a bunch is about to split in the wind because you know she's a dutch rider but it was won by hannah barnes of uh canyon shram with lotta lapisto second and kirsten veald third which um, was an awesome awesome win for hannah and you know i gushed about that a little bit last week and i regret nothing you regret nothing and it is pretty cool um, stage four was also a sprinty stage. Lots and lots of attacks, lots of trying things. Uh, came down to a bunch sprint. One in a photo finish by Yonin Dora, which was a little bit disappointing for Chloe Hosking as she'd been the one who put her arms in the air. But yes, Yonin Dora of Wiggle High Five taking her first Giro win. It is. Uh, it was an incredibly close photo finish. I know it was a tongue-in-cheek comment, but I did like the comment. I think it was Chloe's mechanic who said if they'd just pumped her tyres up by three more sides, she would have won. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty close. So yeah. Yeah. Um Stage five. Stage five. Oh my god, what do we say about stage five? Stage five is the what the fuck Giro Rosa, what the fuck stage, because we talk a lot about how the Giro profiles don't match reality. And this didn't match reality. But this is also this the ITT that was basically a hill climb. Twelve yeah. point seven kilometers, two so, climbs. One climb had been in the men's terreno Adriatico where half the men decided to get up and walk. Yes, because that was uh, that was the only sensible way to approach it. That was one of those things, like 12.7 kilometres for a, uh, an ITT is a bit shorter than we'd normally see, you know, and and so a little bit of an eyebrow raising. And then you, then you find out that there's a surprise climb of uh, 30% gradient, and you're like, oh, fuck. So... Which I think is what the collective peloton breathed as they each hit that uh, that part of the course. 
Oh, it was hilarious. I mean, just bonkers. I, I'm, I, it's hilarious as a fan, but I didn't enjoy it as a, I, as an ITT. It's, um, it's just odd. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. One by Annemiek van Vleuten in an absolutely unbelievable time. Um, she 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 had lost a couple of minutes. She gained a couple of minutes. She won it, including having her chain fall off. Yeah, in the middle the, of it, a miraculous recovery from the Orica mechanic to to keep her rolling, which was insane. And so, yeah, uh, given the the events, um, you know, on stage three when Annemiek missed the split and um and lost a big chunk of time uh winning by uh, i think it was 41 seconds over anna van der Breggen, um for second and elisa longo borghini in third uh, really really helped put her back in contention for the podium yeah so we ended and then stage six was a stage that eventually came down to sprinting um of course they'd had the usual escapes and the usual attacks uh but it came down to sprinting and Lotta Lapisto of Finland for Savello Bigler. Winning her first Giro stage. Yeah, which was awesome. Um, and she outsprinted Corinne Rivera from Sunweb and Georgia Bronzini for Wiggle High Five. So Georgia's still very much in the hunt for her 10th Giro stage win in her 10th Giro, which is, you know, kind of poetic if it comes yeah, off. It was the thing that was interesting about that was there was a small group came to the finish together including Anna van der Breger, but not including any of the other GC hopefuls. I think Annemiek van Vleuten was the rider who was the split. So Anna van der Breger actually increased her GC lead by three seconds on that split. So we are now in stage seven. Um, it's incredible. What you have to take into account is every day is incredibly hot. Um, every day we don't have that much information about what happened in the race. And we have profiles that aren't very trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> so it sets the scene for a hell of a lot of intrigue and um a healthy amount of swearing at your various devices as you refresh page after page trying to find out what the fuck is going on yeah so, so yeah. it was stage seven was a classic style course um none of the Giro this year has big climbs apart from the itt yeah, well, even even that technically, like, it was a big gradient, but it was a short climb, so, you know, it's a moderate climb overall or something. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah. Um, so, on on stage 7 and 8 were the two designated sort of main climbing stages um, with a bit of climbing on the, the tent. Um, these were um, average gradients of around 4.4%, so yeah, nothing too huge. Yeah, two climbs. Yeah, Cap but long. Now, the weird thing about this is the Giro does this every year. Every year it tries to have a different kind of race. Yeah? Yep. So some years it has, uh, like the Mara Abbott style years, where massive, massive mountaintop finishers, races that are essentially halfway to, half the race is getting to the bottom of the hit, of the mountain, and the other half yep. is just grinding up a mountain. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Another dirt year, it might have something like, and you know, so and so in in the past, these stages have finished the mountaintop finishes on the Stelvio, for example. Yeah. Um, other years, they'll have the Mortadolo, but they will have the Mortadolo and then a descent. Um, right. Other years, they'll have things differently. Like famously, when in two thousand and fourteen, when our oh, Emma Pooley did so beautifully, and she won three stages. They were three very different finishes. So they had the climb with about a thirty-kilometer run to the finish. They had a climb and descent, and then they had a pure climb, Madonna de Gisalo, mountain top finish. Yep. yep. Uh, so the, the Giro likes to vary these, and that's a and bit. To un be un fair. Well, I was just going to say, uh, it's one of the things I enjoy about the Giro because it does mix it up each year, and and. Um, you know, it's it's because it's still it's a grand tour, but it's still shorter than the men's grand tours. Uh, they don't have the same amount of stages to play with to try and showcase yes. the whole range of geography of, yes. of the nation in ten stages. So I think they do a, a good job of striking a balance and mixing it up year by year. I think it also is good from my point of view, at least. It, it keeps the interest really high in terms of how the GC will shape up each time round because. Yeah. You know, you've got a few different contenders, um, depending on the mix of stages. 
Yeah, and famously, because they have sprints, sprint immediate and finish line bonifications, bonus seconds towards the GC, famously, Mariana Voss won her first Giro Rosa GC by sprint bonifications. Yep. By bonus seconds. Um, so it's... And it does let different types of riders do it. But it does mean that, like, people go, what, is this the queen stage? And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's just the Giro. It's just the Giro. It's just how it works. Um, yep. And some riders were complaining about it this year. But it's like, well, you know, it, it's if you have mountaintop finishes every year, other riders are going to complain about that, you know. So it's, I, I yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate when it's a kind of year without a big name mountain. But well, when they want to go yeah. around the country, that's what you get, and it was still fun. So and exactly, tough. and 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 that's the thing. It also creates those opportunities for different kinds of memorable moments, and so I have no problem with with it being mixed up. I mean, and look, I get that I'm a little bit biased, but you know, take it from a man whose national titles get held on the exact same course every year for at least ten years at a time, and and trust me. Mixing up the course every every couple of years is not a bad thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So we 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 hit into stage seven um, breakaways. Uh, there's a breakaway of twelve. Got over two minutes before the halfway mark. Now this had no riders from Bors Dolman's Wiggle High Five or Orica Scott. Yeah. And the highest placed right. rider on GC was Sabrina Stoltins of Sunweb, who was five minutes and fifty two seconds back. So by the so, halfway mark. It- before the halfway mark, they this break of twelve had got the had got a gap, and yep. the interesting thing here is what happens between the riders who want to escape and the riders who want to try and win the GCs because you know someone like Bowles they're not going to bother chasing on a day like this. This can be yeah, a rest yeah. day. Whereas exactly, but there are there were a lot of pingy attacks from those GC groups behind in the chase, but. The escape group made it 47, uh, 12 riders made it 47 seconds ahead. And it was won by Sheila Gutierrez Ruiz of Silence Pro Cycling, Spanish rider. Oh, I loved watching all the Spanish Twitter's um, reaction. With Soraya Paladin of Ali Cipollini second and Eugenia Bujak third. Alexis Ryan, awesome. Lauren Kitchen, Sabrina Stultians, Alison Jackson, Tatiana Goderzo, Carmela Cipriani, and Clara Koppenberg, and Rosella Ratto, and Elena Cicchini had also been in the break. But yeah, no change to the GC. But. Cool. But. A nice, nice cruisy, um, like you say, a chance for the big GC teams to um, have a bit of a, a rest day. And, you know, it's it's much better to only have to keep an eye on who's trying to get across and keep the time distance within the the margin of error yeah. and um yeah cool but 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 the big news of the day was really really awful because one of the riders who mm. one of the riders um claudia cretti who'd been a top 10 finisher earlier on in the race had crashed and at 90 kilometers an hour and had Ouch. really severe head injuries and was airlifted to hospital. And it's just devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she's reportedly in a critical but stable condition, but um, the, you know, needed um, surgery to relieve intracranial pressure and, and, you know, head trauma is never not serious. No, and, so... and they apparently think that... Um, yeah, they think that it's it's they think that she's un, unlikely to get away without serious um, uh, lingering issues. Um, and in, yeah, the extent of the extent of her injuries is as yet un, unknown, unknowable. I guess. Yeah. So it's it's very tragic news, and it's the kind of thing that um, I think always hits home in the cycling community, and we touch on this every now and then. It's a dangerous sport, and it has, you know, all sports to a certain extent have their own risks, but this is a particularly risky sport. You're on, you know, hard-paved roads at high speeds with very little protective gear, and so it's it's just a tragic accident that you wouldn't wish on anybody. And, and we do hope that uh, Claudia has 
uh, as smooth a road to recovery as possible. Yeah, yeah, just devastating. And and it's and it was really hard for the other riders. I think Anna von der Berger had a tweet about, you know, the race goes on, but we're just all thinking about Claudia. And and you know, there's not been any news since. Yeah. And that could be because there's not been any news since. You know, like all we have to do is keep her in our thoughts yeah. and send our good vibes and wish her all the best love in the world you know because that's that's uh, it's awful yep it it really is and yeah uh unfortunately or fortunately i don't know how you want to well yeah either way the race did need to continue and so it did continue with stage eight um which was the second of the two main climbing stages. Uh, again, a longer one at 141 kilometres. Um, the nominated queen stage. Um, but again, it was a stage where the climbs weren't too dramatic. But what was very interesting was that this one finished with a descent off the final climb. Yeah. Uh, and someone is probably going to be a little bit smug on this podcast in a moment because they said that this stage looked like it suited a particular rider really, really well. I did say that it suited a particular rider really well. I can't remember if that was in the podcast, which went terribly wrong and we didn't actually get up, or the podcast that we did actually get up. (laughs) Anyway, so it started out with a long stretch along the coast. I mean, this is beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Italy. It's stunning. From Baranisi to Sintola, so they had this really flat, let's say, 60-kilometre run, And then they had a little climb and then they had a big climb. Now, information in this whole race was patchy and rubbish, but it was particularly patchy and rubbish in this one. So very burning hot. Um, Tatiana Ryabchenko, uh, Lenswell Kuota, I think, had attacked and was out solo. She'd been chased by Anuska Costa and Janneke Ensing and then Lucinda Brand. So they get onto this, the big climb of the day, the last climb of the day, which is not very steep. It's about, um, let's, Yes, 30 kilometres of climbing. Yep. And then 30 kilometres of descending. And um, and basically it was one of those ones that, um, you know, it, it's, uh, like you say, not the steepest of ascents, but it's it's just long with, with small sections of flattish um, stuff between them. So it's, it's sort of three three stretches of climbing but they're like six and nine kilometers long each yeah um so yeah it's it's just a, a long draggy sort now, of climb if anyway, you're tatiana ryabchenko and you're riding out solo and you hit the top first and you hit the descent first you might feel quite excited you might but there's there's certain types of news that you could get over race radio for example that would probably put the fear of god in your heart and and you know, make you make you uh, a little bit nervous and and tuck down to those handlebars a little bit closer. Yes, and what that news is that Lucinda Brand is now chasing you solo, and is catching up on the descent. Because what do we know about Lucinda Brand, Dan? Descends like a demon, like an absolute demon. So you have Lucinda Brand hitting it hard on the descent. It's like I wish I could be watching this live on TV because I think there's nothing more I like oh. than watching Lucinda Brand descend. She descended to a win, I think, in 2014, and it was just stunning. And as they, so you've got this situation where they're screaming down this mountain. Lucinda Brand mm, mm. catches Ryabchenko, and they're riding together, and then her wheel spins she then she hits it in a corner a little bit too hard no she goes out solo i think ahead of ryabchenko hits it in a corner wheel spins out crashes this is insane insane ryabchenko it was just outside three no 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 idea like basically Uh, yeah well true (laughs) somewhere between 10k and 3k to go um but ryabchenko gets 11 seconds gap while Lucinda Brown picks herself up and starts again. And then there... At which point, if you're Ryabchenko, you think that all the unholy promises you made to all the demons in hell on your way down have suddenly been answered. Yeah, and and, and Ryabchenko, Um, her biggest win before this stage was winning the uh, Tour of Chongming Island, where she traditionally won by bunch sprinters, but Ryabchenko had gone for a last-ditch do-or-die solo attack. And while she was doing this, the the sprinters behind her were misdirected. Oh, 
yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And it was the one where they not just misdirected, but they, they were literally on the wrong side of the road with a concrete barrier yeah. between them. So they they couldn't just move over. Like, yeah. So uh, they... But so you've got Ryabchenko coming in, you've got Lucinda Brand hitting it, you've got behind the peloton the riders chasing super hard because while Lucinda Brand was about five minutes odd back behind from Anna van der Brega, she was just a couple of minutes ahead of, of, of behind Annemiek van Vleuten and Elisa Longaborghini, who did not want her to get there. So it's like, what's going to happen? They come to the end, mm. which is a tiny little climb and a, dis- and a, dis- and a final descent. Lucinda Brand catches Ryabchenko again and just hits it. And she has the most incredible pain face in the video, just in the chase and catching. She's out solo again. And after this tiny little incline is a descent. And she just does her full Lucinda Brand from one side of the road to the other side of the road. How is she not going to fall over this unguarded drop? But makes it home, wins 12 seconds ahead of Ryevchenko. Amazing, amazing stage finish. I mean, yeah, all the highs and lows, like plays to her strengths, you know, sticks mostly to the script for the first part, but that that crash just, you know, changed everything. And then to pull that win out, and then in the process, as you've already alluded to, to leap. So at the end of the previous stage, she was 12th on GC. At the end of this stage, she was 5th. So she jumped seven places. Yeah. Neil, um, Neil Rogers. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a picture of her crossing the line solo. Neil Rogers said, um, "What only thing more badass than crossing the line with no one in sight is crossing the no- line with no one in sight and blood trickling down your arm. <laughs> and she so gets true. off the bike. It and there's there's so the video true. where she's got off the bike and some and, and her swanny's handed her a, a a thing of water and the first thing she's doing is like washing down her arm with a blood on it and then the second thing she's doing is drinking yeah. the water like ah oh, such a Lucinda Brand stage in I and I did call it as a Lucinda Brand stage in the podcast and it was extraordinary to watch and I am absolutely gutted for Lucinda that there isn't more video of this. Now, I completely understand why motors keep their distance, as they absolutely should, from riders on descents, because, you know, it's incredibly dangerous, and especially with Claudio Cretti having that awful accident on the descents, you know, the day day before. Mm. But in GC News, so Lucinda Brand hops up into fifth place. There's a group um, 133 behind of, let's say, um, let's say seven riders uh, brought by Megan Gawanier with Anna Vleuten, Lisa Lange-Borghini, Anna van der Begger, Cassian Yodoma, Amanda Spratt, Caroline Canuel, and Claudia Lichtenberg, who hops up the GC2 with Arlena Sierra Canyadilla, who's like the Cuban rider for Astana, who'd been having an amazing ride, bringing in the next bunch at 151. Yeah. So Shari Gillow out of the top 10 uh Arlene Sierra Canyadilla who had an extraordinary race um moves down and Claudia Lichtenberg moves back in two more stages to go um not many chances here I mean perfect for Lucinda Brand but but the trouble is is everyone else was just finding the Bowles Dolmans the way they're defending the the Maliadosa completely insane with Megan Guarnier going out there to get her gap because she's sitting fourth on GC down almost stage by stage with some sprint immediate points here, some finish line bodies there. Yeah. Which is just genius double-edged sword shit from Bowles because, you know, it's taking it away from everyone else and Megan's, you know, able to improve her position as part of the whole thing overall. And, you know, oh, fuck. And it's just, it's just death by a thousand cuts to everyone else in the peloton, isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. So stage nine. It looked like a sprinter stage. It starts with a climb and then a descent and then a climb as they go from sea level up onto a plateau. Once they're on the plateau, it's pretty flat, except there is a kind of really surreptitious blinky, you'd miss it, Cat 3 climb in the middle of it. Yeah. They, the first climbs split everything up. Pretty much all the big name sprinters dropped, it seemed. And you never really heard on the news if they kind of came back. But Lauren Kitchen, Anna Trevisi, Margazata Jestinska escape. They had 
escape from it. So we have them out, yeah. out, out ahead, just over a minute, 10 Ks to go with a charging peloton. We didn't know if there are any sprinters in it. We didn't know what was going on. It was just chaos to find out about. Then we had the results. Bunch sprint, Marta Bastianelli from Ale Cipollini winning, Nutella Pisto of Cervello Bigler second, and Giorgio Bronzini third. God damn it. But, I mean, also well done, and yay. But Did God you want Georgia it. to win? I, this is, I wanted Georgia to get, like, it's just too good. The symmetry. Her 10th state in her 10th Giro. Like, I ah. know, and Georgia is such an incredible rider, and, and I love her so much. And and I know. There's only one thing. There's only one thing I can say for certain now. Uh, now that I've heard this, do you think she's not? It's Georgia. Yeah, Georgia Bronzini was she, meant to retire last year, but she, you know, I think I think Wiggle High Five made her an offer she couldn't refuse, basically, and um, <laughs> and she stayed on. But I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I want Georgia Bronzini to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. On, on the one hand, because you know she's yeah. one of the first riders I loved. Um, I came into cycling through track and you know, women's cycling through track and Georgia was a trackie who just so exciting to watch. Like I would cheer for Georgia um, just cause she's amazing and she's a really fun personality. She's the patron of the peloton and I'm just gutted that she didn't win her 10th stage. And you know, I know that cycling doesn't work like I that, just, but yeah. Marta Bastianelli at this point in the race, um, nine stages, uh, eight of them were road race stages, and six of them have been won by riders who'd never won the Giro stage before. Yeah, yeah, and and this is the thing: it's been a race that's delivered over and over and over again. I'm not complaining at all. You know, it, like you say, it's not how cycling works. Really so, interesting yeah. because at this point, at this point in the race, at stage nine, so out of those ten stages, only one team had won more than one stage so it was wide 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 open in terms of the stage wins they're really evenly split and as we said like lots mm. of riders winning their first ever Giro stage which you know is really good for the sport on the other hand Bors Dolmans had taken that Maliarosa on stage one and while they gave it to Caroline Canuel for stage you know to, to wear for stage two because she it was Canada day and um and Yep. So she was the one who was designated yeah. to cross the line first. And also, it first. really helped. It did um, help Anna van der Brega with the. You know, it's good. It's a nice thing to do, but it was a tactical thing to do to do too, because it meant Anna van der Brega could go. Oh no, my team leader's behind me. Um, <laughs> you know. <sighs> it's just. I'm sorry. I can't help laughing at the evil. It's just that's no, it top, was quality top quality evil. evil. That is. I just. I just. You know. I yeah. I mean. I yeah. Mm. Bowls. Just be a bit less evil. Um. <laughs> it was top quality evil. So, yeah, so it had been a really, really divided thing. They went into the last stage with um, Anna van der Blegger leading, Alisa Longo-Borghini one minute and three behind, Annemiek van Vleuten one minute 39 behind, fourth Megan Guarnier about three minutes and seven, fifth Lucinda Bland, um, sixth Amanda Spratt, seventh Cassie Newadoma, Caroline Cantwell and Claudia Lichtenberg on the last um, leading out the the, 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 the top 10. Would yep. anyone be able to stop Bors Dolmans? It didn't look like the kind well, of course was... that was ideal for it, to be honest. No, no, certainly not. I mean, it was an interesting stage in that regard, though. I mean, it was a, you know, a whole bunch of laps around the base of the mountain, then up Mount Vesuvius and back down. It's you know, uh, interesting, interesting uh, look on paper. Well, it's a weird, it's it's a weird thing. Yeah, else. God knows. Uh, it's a weird thing because the Giro traditionally has put its ITT at the, or, or you know, it's either finishes on a mountaintop finish or it finishes on pretty much a guaranteed sprint stage. Yeah. And so it's you know not yep. to say there haven't been chances for GC leaders, but it hasn't done this kind of thing for a while. Like this, normally they have their they go out on this. You know, Madonna del Gisalo in 2014 is kind of classic is the classic example of like you either have something that's really really big and exciting for GC, or you have something that's you know pretty much guaranteed for the sprinters. Brackets 
we know how women's cycling peloton deals with guarantees um but yeah so it's interesting so like you said nine laps around the base of mount vesuvius in a kind of lumpy course that did have a um, i don't even want to say hill it did have lumps in it um so it was tough and it was yeah, super hard yeah. and it was super hot. And what was absolutely, and then they go up Mount Vesuvius, back down, not a technical descent, but a very fast descent. And then a screaming run into the finish. And yep. almost immediately it became clear that while I pegged it as a day for the GC teams to kind of go completely crazy and to try and get, you know, try and get, get away from Anna van der Brega. The sprint teams were also going completely crazy. The sprint teams I lost think their What they were doing was they figured out this climb is not the longest climb in the world. If we can attack mm. and hit that climb first and go over the top before or just after the climbers, we will then have a chance to scream down that descent because, you know, sprinters are often very good descenders. Um, yeah. and win. Yep. And bunch so, it up. Yeah. And so yeah. almost immediately there were like sprint, there were tons and tons of attacks and we didn't get much information about who was in them. We didn't get much information at all. They had a tweet no. that sent Dan completely apoplectic. It fucking drove me nuts, to be honest. I mean, I don't want to turn it into a huge rant or anything, but... I mean, I I couldn't let it pass when when you're seeing an official tweet from you know the UCI's um, account. The gaps between groups are confusing, so I will not post. Safe to say, I have a decent lead on ten chases in the peloton. I'm just like, you fucking what, mate? Like you you've literally got one job, which is to explain the gaps and the groups. Like, I mean, I fuck. get that it was confusing. I would not have chosen to make that tweet. Like, this is the thing. I get that it's confusing too, but you don't, like, like, and this is me, literally the person who last week was saying that sometimes a good update is there's no news, like, because at least that tells us what's going on. That's still a good and helpful update. Saying it's confusing is not a helpful update. Figuring it the fuck out and telling me what you do know, <laughs> so that's a helpful it was a update. Bit, it was a bit like, like that. Jeez. There's lots and lots and lots yeah. and lots and lots and lots of attacks. They well, hit and, and sorry, just one other thing though. In in the context of that too, I don't want to just blurt this in a vacuum. Traditionally, this the, the this race has been really good at it, at its social media content and at its you know information and updates. So it's particularly frustrating when it's such an important race, and it used to do it so well. And this yeah, year and back, it just this really is this is this is the thing is this is in the context of back in the day, the social media used to be done by um, Julia, um, Julia Del Mayo and Serena Danasai. And they were just awesome. And they were one of the first races to really, truly embrace Twitter and social media. And we used to get tons of social media updates. Yeah. And this was when it was organized by a different organizer. And, you know, we've had the Semver Steg, uh, a Richie Steg um, updates, neither of whom were tweeting this year. And that's sad. But yep. what's really sad is that we rely on team mechanics to tweet blah 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 it was it's just it's just yeah. disappointing because it is the biggest race of the year so screamy yep. screaming screaming attacks, of madness yeah. like and so hard if you're a gc contender and you've got like and you've got like not only are these oh. mad attacks going off left right and center which means other sprint teams are chasing them down it means that when you attack other sprint team yeah. teams chase you down like you just must want to Teams punch are people. chasing you down, and and your and your biggest nightmare is that your GC rival gets away with a sprint team. It must or something. be like, like, exhausting it's just to kind of keep up with it. Everyone. Like like, do we chase this? Do we not yeah. chase this? Who's in it? Who's not in it? Like mm. like it was just if if it was just massive confusion yeah. on the road. Anyway, they hit Vesuvius sort of together, and. Then we hear that up the road yep. is the same trio as on stage two. Annemiek van Vleuten, Elisa longo Borghini, oh, and Anna van der Blegger. Yeah. Holy like, just shit. insane. They're riding together, riding together. They hit the descent yeah. together. And, oh, God, their descending is beautiful on the UCI video. Just, oh, God, like, watching them descend is just... 
wow, wow, they're just gorgeous. And they get to the three to go and they're still together. And like, God damn it, no matter what you do, like Annemiek van Vleuten is trying super hard to drop, to attack, drop Anna van der Brega. But Anna van der Brega is yeah. also trying to super hard attack, drop the others because, you know, this is Anna van der Brega. Well, you know, I, I could take it easy or I could try yeah, and yeah. win the race winning the final stage. You know, this is... Uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is this is full warfare now. This is no... Yeah, no, Anna van der Brega no is not the type nothing, of rider who, on this final right. stage, it was very clear, was going to just sit back and go, you know what, as long as I keep it to, them to, together with them, that'd be fine. So they get, to, I think they come in at three k to go. They're still together, and then what happens, Dan? Yep. Oh, well, <laughs> they get caught. They get caught. They get caught by a group with more GC and, contenders in it. And it's it's like it's the worst possible group to catch you because yeah, exactly. It's 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 the rest of Bar the GC Lucinda contenders, Brand basically. and Alena Sierra Canadia. So it's perfect because somewhere on the top on this descent yeah, no yeah. less, they've dropped Lucinda Brand, the queen of descending. And it's this group of um, Amanda Spratt, Megan Guarnier, Cassie and Uadoma, um, uh, Lucinda Brand's kind of 46 seconds behind them. They catch them. They come into the finish and Megan Guarnier wins. Which is like such an insanely textbook, poetic, great victory for Bowles. Because, you know, it's arguably... It's uh, argue, I I would believe the argument that Anna would be happier with that result than have, having on the stage herself because you know Megan's worked so hard for her throughout the entire race one last year so it's it's no small sacrifice to to put your own ambitions to the sideline and defend Anna um, to the hilt so then to to be able to see your teammate take the final stage win is you know yeah. I, I think there's real um, real joy in that. So Megan Guarnier, Amanda Spratt comes second, pushing her further up the GC, but not able to get into, not able to get um, that much higher. Cassie knew Adoma in third. They kept trying all the way to the end. No one could beat Bowles Dolmans. So your final general classification, Anna and- van der Blegger won. Elisa Longo-Borghini, one minute and three behind her. Annemiek van Vleuten won 39. Megan Guarnier fourth. Fifth Spratty, sixth Cassie Newadoma, seventh Lucinda Brand, who only lost forty six seconds in that last stage. But oh my god, um, uh, eighth Carol and Canwell, ninth Claudia Lichtenberg, tenth Arlena Sierra Canyadia. Um, Arlena Sierra, she's been around for yeah. a couple of years. Um, she's been really, really strong in the South American and Central American races and the USA when she's been out there in the USA. Uh, she is own. She's twenty four, um, and she's had her right. first year in Europe, and it's been extraordinary. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. Yeah, her she a, won a, a stage in the Semana Clásica Valenciana, which was at the same time as one of the um, uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the classics. She came second in the Trofeo Alfredo Binder behind Corinne Rivera, and you might remember she had that cheer where she was celebrating her coming mm. second and people were a bit weirded about it she was yeah, yeah. on the podium a yes. couple of times and came out overall <laughs> in, the, in the amgen breakaway from heart disease women's race presented by shram to the california yeah. but this is extraordinary i mean she's not come out she's not she's not come out of nowhere yeah but, she's I mean, no no she hasn't she's coming and people who people who say that are really just you and know, that's fair enough that, that she's that is fair enough. i mean she's been looking um yeah, yeah, which is is totally fine. But the thing is, even so, the fact that even while she hasn't come out of nowhere to in your first full season in Europe, get second in a in a um, you know former World Cup legit classic like Trofeo Binder, and then to hit top ten in your first Euro, like this this yeah. is a rider. Oh, she serious, was the Pan American Road prospects. Race Champion back in two thousand and fourteen. 
She's won stages at Tour Femenino de mm. San Luis last year and was third overall. She's won state. She won the Vuelta Femenina Costa Rica last year. Was second in the Pan Am Champions Road Race, and she actually won the Tour de Bretagne last year, the Tour of Brittany, which was her only European race. Um, yeah, so it's you know really really um, strong. Uh, I mean, this, the whole of the top ten was interesting, you know, yeah. and the whole of the race was. Bors Dolmans completely dominated it, completely rode it so well, which after their Ovo Energy Women's Tour, where they started out as the favourites, this is their, oh, well, we were just waiting for the Giro, which is pretty much how they've run the whole season, if I'm honest. We had, they didn't show that much in the early, (laughs) uh, in the early classics. But, you know, they were waiting for the Ardennes because they won all three of them, actually got one, two in, the, in all three of the Ardennes. They had a yes. disappointing over-energy women's tour, but that's fine because their goal for July was, their goal for the summer was the Giro. Yes, and um, yeah, holy shit, when um, they've set a goal, have yeah, they I mean, dominated? Really nice to see so many first-time winners. Like, like, so first time winners um, so Bosdomans won the TTT Van Vleuten's won the stages before and obviously and Megan Guarnier's won the Giro before but Hannah Barnes Yolene Bonner Lotta Lepisto Sheila Guith Sheila Gutierrez Ruiz um, and Marta Bastianelli are all first time winners and splitting that only two teams won yeah. more than one stage which is Bosdomans and Orica uh, Annemiek van Vleuten ended up in the mountains jersey, the sprints jersey. Cecilie Utup Ludwig of Savelle Bigler ended up in the best young rider, and no surprise at all, Balls won the best team. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, and look, it's for mine. It's been another incredibly entertaining Giro Rosa and and a race that. Is genuinely yeah, kept me I mean, I, I, it was, yeah, it, so. rants, rants about visibility of the race in real time. Yeah, it, it was, like, it, it was, really enjoyed I, this race. it was frustrating to follow, but the red riding is spectacular. I am absolutely beyond gutted for cloud, you know, Claudia Cretti's accident yeah. is, has still cast a pal over it for me because, you know, yes. we don't know if she's okay. And I'm sure that everyone's thoughts, like all the riders' thoughts, all yep. the all the race organizers' thoughts, she was mentioned on the television every day. You know, she was, oh yeah, it was. She's and, and it's she's been mentioned both in in you know in the Tour de France. She's she's very much if if good wishes, you know, if good wishes and thoughts and people who pray, if that's if you believe in that, um, are I don't mean to diss people. I'm just falling over my words. Um, if thoughts and prayers and good wishes can help then she's you know she's she's surrounded by that she's surrounded by love from you know cycling and i just hope she's okay yeah. it's gutting to have someone who's like a first time top 10 placed rider you know one stage have this and there are various other riders with accidents and mm. i hope they're all all right you know it's never never want never want riders to be hurt so yeah so that was the giro um oh the other thing that i thought was hilarious um i do have yeah. a thing that i have chats every year about why the Giro is on at the same time as the Tour de France because it is frustrating I completely understand that for some media people who would like to cover it more they can't and I understand that and some people who feel that if there was more if it wasn't on at the same time as the Tour it would be um, shown more which uh, the reason they do this is because they in, in, in Italy they fold the two coverages together so they'll have the the tour de france program um and then they'll go straight into the giro rosa highlights so that they keep that captive audience of cycle fans or tour de france fans and share it with the giro and twice this week they did the thing that they did last year where the men's stage was so boring that they showed the women's stage highlights with a men's stage split live and split screen in the corner <laughs> which yeah yeah and look, this is the this is the thing I've talked about this before too, where we're in this sort of weird intermediate space between um, the uh, the future of basically internet based 
video coverage, you know, uh, live streaming, um, versus traditional broadcast rights, which most sport is still locked up in. Like, that's that's the business model most sport still gets its funding through and from, which, um, well, let's not go too deep <laughs> down the thing of how it's all actually gambling money anyway. Um, and pause there. But the the point being that the funding for, for race organisers in particular is still largely dependent on broadcast. Um, and so it, it does create a layer of complexity um, in terms of the way race organisers pay attention to those needs. And so when your primary um, support is coming from a national network in Italy and that's how the coverage works best for them, you follow those requirements and, and you know, support them as best you can with your race. So, you know, that's where it's on. That's why it's on. It... it to me, the the um, path forward there is is the thing of actually just making it more available and more accessible through these other uh, channels, including online, um, as it grows. And that's something that all races can do better, um, but I think also all races could do with a lot better support from the sports governing body in navigating those waters. So, yeah, that's... It's, I it's just kind of went into it's, a media round. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, the Giro it's, is a yeah. um, very much a punching above its weight in terms of the organisation. It is not organised by someone like RCS or ASO or Sweet Spot or Flanders Classics. It's very, very, very much organised by an amateur organisation. And I think that shows in a lot of things. And, and I don't think that's right. You know, I would love to see RCS for example take on organizing the Giro yeah. and, and, and throwing it the weight of its you know or, or an equivalent to sweet spot putting its weight behind the Giro and making it the amazing race that we know it could be you know the race that it's been in the past to be honest um, because it's it's a wonderful race and it's it's fantastic when you have like that that you know when you have the yeah. women's the women's highlights showing over the top of the Tour de France because it's and that's that's the best way for it we can have amazing cycling so it's on a dull Tour de France day because not every day can be you know rampaging through the mountains and super dramatic um, GC attacks but having them together works really well it means there's something for everyone there's something for you know you can you can watch that bonkers ITT for example or you can anyway we, that's the Giro, uh, not 100% perfect <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but fun. Wasn't the only race, wasn't the only race last no, week. No. There's also no. the Tour de Femme, one of the two Czech races that happen on the calendar. They're generally for development teams, I would say. But, um, well, they should be for development teams. Yep. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, there are UCI 2.2 races, and, and, you know, when you look at um, who goes, you get good, strong fields, and there are some some and seasoned I love, and experienced And I love that. There, I love the fact that while the Giro Rosa is on, have a development race yeah. for developing you know, for, for development riders. They they also, you know, have it... They ha- used to have the Tour de Britannia at the same time. Yeah. This year, one of the big teams went, poor United Healthcare. They are a bit scuppered because under the way that the rules work for how we measure who gets to go to races UHC didn't get the automatic invite to the stage races that they expected in the past because they are a because because of the way that basically it's worked out on UCI yeah. points and riders transfer their points with them when they transfer so Corin Rivera won a lot of points last year those points went to Sunweb when she moved there this when she moved there this year so UHC ended up outside of the cutoff of the the the, the, top, the top the top twenty, so UHC instead went to yeah, the, the Tour de France yeah. where Ruth Winder won stage one and stage two was the leader, and Sophie Doik won the ITT. Um, Nancy van der Berg won the stage four. Juliette Leboux in her first elite season won stage five, but the overall winner was Ruth Winder um, from UHC. Well, congrats, Ruth, and congrats, UHC. I mean, and it is good. Like, I'm I'm pleased that, you know, as you say, with the um, difficulty around not quite getting the uh, the automatic invitation, um, I like that 
UHC have still um, found a way to get some European racing uh, in the in the yeah. season. And I, I mean, there is there is a level and, of cynicism uh, yeah. in it because it does mean that they can get those points so they yeah. can get back into the World Tour next season. And I'm not dissing them for that because yeah, you know that's but... that's the way the system's set up. No, I. Exactly, and and you know, look, there's plenty of teams that go to Chongming for exactly the same reason. You know, it's not like they're the only ones that do this. You know, oh yeah, I mean, people who write, people can. who um, people who go to, you know, yeah. the Slovenian ITT or the or the IT or the the races, yeah. the UCI races in the Ukraine. You know, like there's 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 a lot of there are some races yeah. that are basically but, rock up and get pretty easy points. Um, and yeah, but the main reason. Sorry, I was just going to say the main reason that I like it is actually because to me it indicates it signals that you know they're serious about coming to Europe, you know, and and that's where they see the the future of the team growing towards, and I like that because you know I think uh, uh, um, American. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not. I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing UHC at all. I'm at all. It's just it's one of those things where it is. It's like when WM3 go to or, or Canyon SRAM go to the other Czech race, um, the other, the, you know, the, the Gracia Olivar and win every stage and win the GC, yep. you know, it, it, it's, 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 um, it, it's an opportunity for them to learn, but it is also an opportunity for smaller teams to be, you know, smaller teams and riders to get some attention from the, and see how those big teams operate too, because, you know, a lot of the teams who are racing in the Tour de Feminine are not going to get anywhere near a race with, you know, a race, anywhere near a race with the with some with some of the with those big teams normally. So, yeah. So, yep. hurrah for the Tour de yeah, Feminine. Yeah. We all had some mountain bike over the weekend with Miriam Nicole winning the downhill World Cup, and I think Annie Last winning the uh, cross country in Lenzerheide in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. So, what have we got coming up? Right. We've got one of my favourite races in the world coming up. Turingen Runfart, or rather what it's called, the Lotto Turingen Ladies Tour on the 12th to 18th of July. It's a really good race. It's in Germany. It's gone down from seven days to five days. Awesome. Um, but, you know, the poor things really suffer from, really struggle from clashing with other races. And they've had a bit of a problem about this. They do clash with the Benet Ladies Tour, which is the race that goes between Belgium and the Netherlands, Benet, um, 13th to 16th. We also have yeah. an American UCI mini series coming up, season coming up with the GP Du Bois, the Christine, uh, Kristen Armstrong ITT on the 14th of July, and the Cascade Classic on the 19th to 23rd of July. Then we have La Course by Le Tour de France, the World Tour Race on the 20th, and the Strange Pursuit event on the 22nd. Basically, everyone who finishes within five minutes of the leader on the Col d'Isoard climb. Two days later, we'll start a pursuit event in the streets of Marseille, starting at the time gaps they finished on the Col d'Isoard. If this isn't the Anna van der Brega Invitational, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, and then following on after that, yeah. we hit up the Prudential Ride London Classic GP on the 29th of July. Now, next year we're not going to have this weirdness because we're going to have, it's going to get even more weird about the world tour because we've just had the world tour um, announced for announced for this year um, announced, announced next year. It is absolutely fantastic that they announced it so early because normally we only hear about the women's racing announced in um, September and that makes things incredibly complicated for teams because especially when they throw in new races, um, yeah and as we've talked about before you know when team budgets are so um you know difficult so limited in in how much racing you can manage and how many um you know uh riders and stuff you can get moving anywhere so the world tour next year has expanded with three more races so it's going to be 23 races Pulling in the Amakamine Beera, which will make everyone happy because everyone loves the Amakamine Beera and they've been messed around for a couple of years. They're, they're hilly, they're in the Basque country, they're absolutely stunning, we love it. There's newly created three days of Dupin, Trois Jours de Dupin in West Flanders, which um, takes part at the same time as the men's race and will be broadcast live on TV. Um, 
although it's only a one-day race it's called three days of japan but it's only one day because oh my god um yeah and the new tour de Juanji, which will debut this season apparently is a uci 1.1 ranked event no one's heard about this before um and it's part yep. of the new men's world tour stage race uh, it's going to happen in october which is interesting because that's after worlds i suspect it won't be particularly well attended in terms of um who's 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 who goes who goes to it um but yeah the interesting thing is that they are actually clashing some of the races again yeah so uh, the three days of Japan starts yeah. between the trophy binder and hent web elgem so it basically makes a a a a week of Flandrian, a week and a half of 10 days of Flandrian racing as they have the case of Japan, Hent with Elgem, Tour of Flanders. They also have the Dwarves Door of Landrin in that time as well, um, which makes the classic season even more packed. I think we're going to yep. start to see some big names and riders missing some of the classics. But the other interesting thing is that the, right. um, that, that we have Le Course Prudential Ride London is on at the same time as the Tour de France. As it's being held on the 28th of July. It also means that if... I mean, of course, by Le Tour de France is with a TV to be confirmed in it, yeah? But it means that that if Le Course wants to do something else like this, it's going to be strange. So there are some clashes next year. The World Tour calendar, to be honest, I think 23 races yeah. is too big for the World Tour. It's in a sen- It's essentially become the what the 1.1 calendar, you know, the, what the point one calendar should be. With the current point one races now dropping down a level, yes. I think they're going to have to have another look at this because... Well, uh, see, to me, this falls back to the problem that you should have been solved three fucking years ago, Brian fucking Cookson. When, you know, everyone put their head up and said, we need two categories of teams. You know, like, the we're running now into a similar problem where, like you say, like, everyone's trying to get races jammed into the World Tour, but we still haven't addressed the availability of teams and riders to, to actually be able to go to races. You know, classifying the races differently isn't going to solve it immediately because we still haven't dealt with the basic I've heard that's changing this year of, of how the teams shape up I'll believe it when I see it because I yeah. am sick of the number of years I've heard it's changing I mean oh unless you unless you mean Brian Cookson well it has to change UCI's this year because otherwise you end up with if you if Brian Cookson changes as UCI president we just get stuck in another um anyway endless debacle so yeah so it's going to be interesting the the i think we're going to have i mean we all know that riders would much 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 rather win a race even one race than win the world tour yeah we know that and we know that teams what it does is it gives teams permission to say actually we're not going to go to all the world tour races because now they've got two lots in china they've got one in the usa that's a lot of extra cash to try and organize but to give the uci their credits it's really exciting that they've got that that they've that they've announced it this uh, you know announced it before october hurrah that's one thing that's slightly yeah. less annoying so next week we'll be talking all yes, things true. um so we'll be talking all about the uh Turning Gun Run Fart will be in the middle of the Bene Ladies Tour. We'll be in we'll we'll be able to we'll no, they'll have finished and we'll talk all about um everything else that you love. Um come back. I'm going to be in London on the nineteenth of <laughs> July talking at Look Mum No Hands about the Giro Rosa with videos. So if you're in London, please, 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 please come and see me. It'll be wonderful. Thank you so much for listening us to us. Find the links on prowomencycling.com. And if you'd like to talk to us in between times, you can find Sarah at PW Cycling on Twitter. I am at Dan W Official. We're happy to tell you that you're wrong. Um, or mostly I am. You know, Sarah's polite. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs>